Good morning, and welcome to Simply Science. It's Thursday, February 15th. On today's show, SpaceX blasts Intuitive Machine's lunar lander into orbit, and a new tool is making the latest climate science accessible to Vanuatu. Plus, South Korean scientists have grown beef inside a grain of rice for a protein kick. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Science. We start off with a significant development in space exploration. A private Houston-based company, Intuitive Machines, has launched its first lunar lander to the moon from Cape Canaveral, Florida. The spacecraft, nicknamed Odysseus, was launched using a SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket and is expected to touch down near the south pole of the moon on the 22nd of February. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Science. So Bella, what makes this launch significant? Well, David, if all goes well, this would be the first time a private firm has successfully landed a spacecraft on the moon. It's a significant milestone in the commercialization of space exploration. The successful launch of Odysseus and its journey to the moon is a testament to the capabilities of private space firms. And what about the rocket booster used for the launch? The rocket booster, which was part of the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket, landed safely back on Earth after launching the spacecraft. This is in line with SpaceX's practice of reusing rocket boosters to reduce the cost of space travel. What can we expect if the lunar lander successfully touches down on the moon? If the lunar lander successfully lands on the moon, it would mark a significant achievement for intuitive machines and the broader private space industry. It would demonstrate the ability of private firms to conduct complex space missions, potentially opening up new opportunities for scientific research and commercial activities on the moon. As we keep an eye on Odysseus's journey to the moon, let's shift our focus back to Earth, specifically to the Pacific Islands. Civil engineers there are facing a unique challenge. As global temperatures rise, weather predictions are becoming less reliable, making it difficult to build infrastructure that can withstand the increasingly harsh conditions. This is particularly true in Vanuatu, where rising sea levels, frequent storms, and devastating floods have caused significant damage to roads, buildings, and towns. To help combat this, a new platform has been launched to provide science-based climate predictions. Here to discuss this further is our correspondent, James. Indeed, David. The Vanuatu Climate Futures Portal is a web-based tool that provides a snapshot of how the country's climate may be several decades into the future. It presents users with an interactive map of Vanuatu, with predicted precipitation and minimum and maximum temperatures listed for each location. These predictions change depending on the years and geographical area users select, providing a glimpse into what Vanuatu's islands might look like in the future. That sounds like a valuable tool. How does the portal translate the complex science of climate change into practical information for policymakers? The portal uses varied data sets, including current and historical data drawn from satellites and weather stations, to build its models. While these predictions aren't as precise as short-term weather forecasts, they do provide valuable information to decision-makers in Vanuatu. The portal also presents two different scenarios, one for high emissions and one for low emissions. 
representing different outcomes depending on whether world leaders stick to the proposed Paris climate targets. What could Vanuatu's future look like under the worst-case scenario? Under the high emissions scenario, the portal shows that by 2070, average temperatures could rise by more than 2 degrees Celsius, and most areas could see a rise in heavy rains and extreme temperatures. This could lead to significant challenges for roads and infrastructure, businesses, agriculture, and food security across the country. How is this information expected to be used? The goal is to ensure that this information is used in everyday planning. For example, a tourism operator planning a new resort could use the portal to understand the calculated risks of investing in a particular area. The team also plans to take the Climate Futures portal to communities around the country so that local leaders and residents can learn about how their landscapes and environments will change with the climate. What impact has the portal had so far? In Vanuatu's Public Works Department, the portal has already been used to create a new road designs guide, which incorporates the rainfall projections to make more robust suggestions on where and how to build the nation's roads. While some of this information is quite new and unexpected, it's already having a positive impact. Thanks for the insights, James. Now let's shift our focus to an intriguing development in South Korea where scientists are countering the environmental impact of a growing population by developing a novel hybrid food, beef grown inside the grains of rice. This lab-cultured food, which resembles a mix of meat, mince, and rice, is rich in nutrition and could potentially ease food pressure. Here to delve deeper into this development is Celeste, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you tell us more about this hybrid food and the science behind it? Certainly, David. This research was led by biomolecular engineer Sohyun Park from Yonsei University. The team chose rice for this experiment because it's an excellent dietary staple with 80% starch and 20% protein and other nutrients. They coated grains of rice with food-grade fish gelatin and food enzymes to help the cells maximize the amount of cellular material that clings to and grows on the rice. They then seeded the rice grains with cow muscle and fat stem cells and let them grow in a petri dish for around 11 days. And what were the results after this cultivation period? After the cultivation period, the team tested the rice to study its structure and nutritional content. They found that the beef-rice hybrid was both firmer and more brittle than regular rice. Additionally, this new rice had significantly higher protein and fat content, 8% more protein and 7% more fat, than regular rice. The researchers believe that some tweaks could further improve the nutritional profile of this meaty rice, making it a cost-effective and environmentally friendly food option. That's fascinating. But what about the practicality of this product? Ms. Park acknowledges that the product is labor-intensive. However, she envisions a world of possibilities for this grain-based hybrid food. She believes it could one day serve as food relief for famine, military ration, or even space food. While it's still early days, the potential implications of this research are quite significant. Indeed, it's a fascinating development. Thanks for that report, Celeste. Speaking of intriguing research, in a significant scientific breakthrough, researchers have discovered genetic mutations that could help explain why black men are at a higher risk of developing prostate cancer than men of other ethnicities. This discovery could potentially lead to a test to identify those at greatest risk of developing the disease, 
thereby improving survival rates. Joining us now to discuss these findings is Abby, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you tell us more about this research, Abby? Certainly, David. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer among British men, with about 52,300 new cases and 12,000 deaths recorded in the UK each year. Black men are twice as likely to be diagnosed and 2.5 times more likely to die from the disease compared with white men. The reason for this disparity has been unclear, but differing levels of a protein called the androgen receptor are suspected to be involved. Can you explain the role of the androgen receptor in this context? Yes, the androgen receptor is a protein to which male hormones such as testosterone bind. This binding sends a signal to cancer cells, telling them to carry on growing and dividing. Previous studies have suggested that black men have higher levels of androgen receptor, but the reason for this has been elusive. So, how did the researchers approach this problem? The researchers, led by Dr. Greg Brook and Dr. Antonio Marco at the University of Essex, developed an approach that searches for differences in the regulatory regions of genes. They use this tool to analyze DNA from more than 75,000 people from diverse populations worldwide, searching for regulatory regions that may explain why black men produce higher levels of androgen receptor. And what did they discover? The research identified mutations in three regions of DNA that control androgen receptor levels. These specific changes to the genetic code are frequently found in men with African ancestry while they are virtually absent in men of European ancestry. They also identified hundreds of other mutations that differ across populations and may affect men's risk of prostate cancer. What could be the potential implications of these findings? These discoveries could lead to a genetic test that could predict which subset of men are most likely to develop prostate cancer. Such tests could revolutionize the management of this disease in a similar way that mammograms have for breast cancer. This research could also help identify black individuals who should be tested more regularly and perhaps given different treatments, helping to close the gap in survival. That was certainly a significant development. Thank you, Abby, for sharing these insights. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Science. We'll see you back here tomorrow.